This week on Up in the Blue Seats, stop the presses. The New York Rangers are playoff bound. The post Larry Brooks joins us to talk about the NHL's plan in place to bring hockey back this summer with a 2014 playoff format. Rangers great and MSG Network color commentator Dave Maloney also stops by to talk about the Blue Shirts playoff matchup with the Hurricanes. Can the Rangers go on a deep playoff run? All that and more next on Up in the Blue Seats for the New York Post. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to center ice for a special presentation. Welcome to the Up in the Blue Seats podcast, a New York Rangers podcast with the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate the show five stars and write a nice review if you're using Apple. Larry Brooks is back with Ron this week as the guys chat with Rangers great and TV broadcaster Dave Maloney for a special edition of the podcast with plenty of monster news to get into. Speaking of Ron, here he is, the star of the show, Number 10, Ron Dugay. Well, welcome, everyone. And yes, we have some good news. Gary Bettman yesterday laid out a plan. It's not a a firm plan, but it's an idea on how they want to move forward because the NHL and the players do want to finish uh, this season. They did declare the season over, but they will play the playoffs. The playoffs mean there will be 24 teams in the playoff format, not 16, but 24 teams, which is good news for the Islanders, good news for the Rangers, good news for Chicago, good news for Montreal because they're all part of that 24 team format. Now, how are they going to do that well they're going to have that wild card preliminary playoff run which will be three out of five and for the rangers that means they're going to play carolina the home ice advantage there's going to be two hub cities that they're going to choose for all the teams it'll be split up per conference they're not quite sure they called out at least 10 cities two of them that i particularly like which would be vegas in the united states and also uh, edmonton and so those two cities there make sense to me but those are all things we're going to discuss today with the great larry brooks and dave Maloney to come, so stay with us. Let's dive into it all now with Rangers Hall of Fame beat writer from the New York Post, Larry Brooks. You can follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry, um, I uh, have to believe, uh, like myself, that you have a certain level of excitement after listening to Gary Bettman yesterday, kind of laying out a potential format moving forward with uh, the NHL wanting to um, get to the Stanley Cup Finals, play the hockey. And it'll be summer hockey, but the intention is is to play the the playoffs. And so I guess I have to ask you before you answer me, what is it that, you know, for what you do, I know you can write from anywhere. What is it about your job that you're, you've been missing the most with hockey not being played? I'll still be missing it because of course I love watching the games. Well, most of them, but the best part of this job actually is interacting with the guys at at the rink. And that is still going to be uh, prohibited. I know that the media is not allowed in the 
voluntary workout phase, phase two, that will probably start next week. And there is no word on training camps, but I wouldn't be surprised if we're eliminated from the training camp list. And I can understand why. If, if everyone's being tested two or three times a week, I don't think it's going to be on the NHL or on the teams to test the writers. And, and I understand why they want to keep the bubble as tight as they can. But so it will be very different covering the tournament, I presume, from home. Uh, you know, watching games on on television and uh, hopefully getting to do Zoom chats and FaceTime with guys before and after games and before and after practices. But the thing I have always enjoyed the most is interacting with the players. And uh, it's going to be a while before I'm able to do that. Yeah, so Larry, I'd like to back up to uh, when the season went on pause and talking about the New York Rangers in particular. They had made a run to make the playoffs. They were two points out. Yes, they lost Kreider. But for you, when you were thinking about, okay, they have 12 games to go, 12, 13 games left to go. When you were thinking about the team, were you at a place where you thought, you know what, they can actually make the playoffs with what you were seeing? What were your thoughts at that point thinking? Because now they are they are in the playoffs. Did you think they could realistically make the playoffs? I thought they had a really good shot. I thought, though, they probably had a better shot a week or two before, before Kreider got hurt. They missed Kreider. They were going to be without him for another maybe two or three games, I think. I think they were targeting his return the following week after a couple of more games. And I think um, you remember that Shesterkin was just coming back from his uh, the automobile accident. So he wasn't quite where he was before um, he left the lineup and he was out for a while. So I thought the Rangers had a real good shot at it. I looked at the teams in front of them and I thought Carolina was vulnerable. I thought Columbus was vulnerable and I thought the Islanders were vulnerable. So I gave them a pretty good shot. I wouldn't say that I was confident that they were going to make it. I, I, you know, if you had told me the Kreider was coming back and he wasn't going to miss any more games, I would have given them a better shot because they missed him. They had a much, much tougher time scoring goals, certainly uh, with Chris out of the lineup. Now, having said that with Chris, have you heard any update on his recovery? Will he be ready if hockey starts come August? Will he be ready 100%? Oh, he's 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 fine. Again, he, he was going to miss two or three more games. They went out on what their final game was on a Wednesday, and I think they were projecting him to return the following Wednesday or Thursday, whichever, whichever day of the week they were playing. A, a Pittsburgh home game was the game they had targeted for him. So he would have been ready back then. And he he had been skating he you know because he had been injured and because he was rehabbing there were exceptions made for players on IR that they could visit the team facilities during the shutdown so chris um you know unless there's something i'm i'm completely unaware of and i and i don't think that's the case here it's the case a number of times but not i don't think in this case chris should be fine larry because we've had so much time to think about stuff uh, at the time in march going into the playoffs with the way some of the top teams were playing we could pretty well we we had a pretty good idea what team, what top four teams were going to be there at the end. Now, when you think about now going into this playoff format, assuming they play, when you're sitting around thinking about Boston certainties, because it's going to be so unusual, this kind of play, can you still feel like you can pick like two, three, four top teams that are actually going to be there at the end? Or is this so unusual that we don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, I think it's the latter, Ronnie, because we don't know. This is unprecedented. We have no idea what kind of shape 
these players are going to be in when they come back. We just don't. And and allowing that everybody probably tried to do their best to stay in some sort of shape. You know, guys really weren't able to work out properly unless they had home gyms. And I don't think that many of them do. Other than in Sweden, really. Um, and lately, I guess, in a, in a couple of other countries, players haven't been able to skate at all. So we don't, we honestly, we don't know which team's coming back with the players in, in best conditions. Plus, we really don't know the mental outlook, you know, psychological outlook of all of these guys. There may be a number of guys that are coming back grudgingly that think this is not a good idea, that they're that they're there in body, but they're not there in spirit. We don't know how, you know, so we don't know that. We don't know if players will test positive. And, you know, is a team that we would think of as a top team suddenly going to be playing without four or five players because their guys tested positive and they're going to be using minor league fill-ins. So, you know, I, I think there's a, as a general rule, you look at the teams you have the, that have the strongest personnel. Uh, you look at Boston and Tampa Bay and St. Louis and Washington and all things being equal, you, you would put them at the top, except that nothing is equal at this point. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, it's going to be unpredictable. Teams will know more about what they have in training camp, obviously. But that doesn't mean that we're going to know more because, again, if the media is not allowed in training camp, <laughs> I mean, who knows? You know, I mean, you could be seeing some teams uh, skate on the ice with uh, first lines made up of, of guys who were just called up in the American League this year. So it's going to be an unpredictable ride if they get to it. And I just listen, there's a great sense of anticipation, but there are a lot of steps between today, May 27th, and the middle or end of July when the NHL is looking to get back onto the ice for real. So we're talking about a two months here in which a lot can happen. There are, there are a lot of issues to be negotiated between the Players Association and the league, protocol, CBA-related matters. There's a lot to do here. But the NHL is on track. I think there's a there is a uh, a real desire on both sides to play the playoffs, and um, you know I think we all hope that this can be done safely. If it if it can't be done safely, nobody wants it to happen, and and I'm sure that goes for Gary Bettman on down. So our listeners today are all very optimistic it's going to happen. Right now they're all talking Rangers playing Carolina. You knowing the heartbeat of these players at what I've asked you about the characters, certain players, certain teams. How would you describe a young New York Rangers going into this playoff format? This is just a win-win for the Rangers. Honestly, they they get playoff-like experience for a young team. Uh, they get to play in big games. They will go in. I think again, we don't. <laughs> I don't think I don't need to qualify everything I say with well, we don't know. But they go in with a pretty good shot. You know, they beat Carolina four out of four this year. They have traditionally dominated the Hurricanes. Doesn't mean they're going to beat them three out of five, but I'm sure they're going to go in with a lot of confidence. And and honestly, what what these games uh, these games will accelerate. I think the development of somebody like Adam Fox, somebody like Ryan Lindgren, um, if, if Kako, you know, if, if, if Kako's in, then playing in these games should should accelerate his development as well. I mean, let me ask you, Ronnie, you played in the in in the 78, you played the two out of three against Buffalo. What did you what did that do for you as a player? You felt the pressure. You just felt every time you're on the ice. Uh, every goal for or every goal against either elevated your excitement or 
you felt like you were in a hole. And so the pressure's on when you're playing. And that's why they play four out of seven, because normally four out of seven, the better team will win. But sometimes you go against some difficult, some hard difficult goaltending, uh, a goaltender who gets hot, you're kind of playing on your toes. You're a little bit nervous every time you're on the ice because it's talked about in the dressing room. Coaches will talk about it. Look at short series. We got to be perfect. We got to play perfect. So it becomes a different series. And when I think about myself back then, you know, I was young, so I didn't really think about it as much. I can tell the veteran players on the team would talk about it more. Back then it was Carol Vadney, Phil Esposito, those were the guys where you can tell that they knew that we had to play perfect. But young players, I think that you're just kind of, you're not thinking so much, probably. you just go out and having fun. So that's why I think the Rangers do kind of have a, an advantage where for them, they're just going to go have fun and just go play. Do you think your experience playing against Buffalo in, in that uh, preliminary round helped you the next year? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, because you always have a feel for what a player is going to play like in the playoff, in that playoff format, right? Because some elevate their game and others they they struggle with the pressure so you have an idea of the matchups because often you'll go against certain players like for me I had to go against Jill Pro right thanks a lot I had to play man on man against Jill Pro and play against that line so you have you either you're going to gain confidence or you're not I think and I think too that you know the last 12 games of the season would have would have been an, an interesting period for management evaluation of players as as they were going down the stretch of what w- would have been a playoff race similarly I think this best of five and however long they go if they, if they can win the series this best of five will provide a good tool for management to evaluate players as well I mean you know there are a lot of play there are a couple of players coming up on contracts. Um, we know that uh, Tony D'Angelo and Ryan Strom are coming up on on Group Two. They're arbitration eligible, and I'm sure the the Rangers management would like to see Tony D'Angelo playing in a play a playoff series, a play in series. You know, see how he reacts to that. See how Ryan Strom reacts to that. And teams are going to make contract decisions based on the way their players play in the playoffs. It happens all it happens all the time. It happens every year. Well, this guy we can't win with him. We you know, we, you know he's not great regular season player, but look at the way he elevates. Um, so this is going to give provide a lot more information for management when they have to make their decisions in the offseason. And and again, <laughs> if the Rangers lose in the in this play-in round, then they have a shot in, in the lottery for the first overall pick. So Again, this is a win-win for the Rangers. Well, Larry, I thank you for your thoughts. We're going to leave it at that, and we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get Dave Maloney on and get his thoughts on all that. Our guest today, a friend of the show, former captain of the New York Rangers, and now color commentator on MSG TV and radio, Dave Maloney. Dave, welcome to the show again. Well, thanks for having me, dude. And uh, Brooksy, it's always a pleasure. And uh, it sounds like at least they're making Canada fly on this planet to get this thing back on the road, huh? Of course, these are all hypotheticals. But had this occurred when you were playing, how do you think you would have, A, adjusted to the time off, and B, reset your mind to getting back and playing, and not only just playing, but actually playing in a tournament that could lead to the Stanley Cup? Well, you know, for me, I think it's a little unprecedented to even think of how you would react to a circumstance that I don't think anybody saw coming, right? And I think, and depending, too, at at what stage of your career you were at, if you were younger, you know, there was probably a good chance that you were just, uh, you know, happy, ready to go to get out there, not thinking about anything. And I think the older you got, a little 
you know, as time went on during our generation, the older it got, the more you paid attention to your conditioning. So I just think at the end of the day, probably had to look at it as a challenge to kind of get up to speed as quickly as you could. And with an opportunity, particularly if you look from a Ranger perspective, right, that uh, there certainly was a hope that they were going to be able to compete. But now they are. It sounds like if all things come to fruition, they're going to be in the hunt of this thing. So I think it's a little difficult for those of us, uh, anyone really, to think, how you would react because it was such a, a, a different thing that was all just with you. Yeah, Larry, I, I think to answer your question, normally for us, you're off three months and you do your regular preparation, although this would be different. But you're going to training camp getting ready to start the season. You know, for us back then, starting the season, it wasn't 100 miles an hour, right? Because most guys will tell you by January – you know, the league, the players were in great shape and the second part of the season where guys were really going. Now you're going to training camp and you're playing for the Stanley Cup and it's like 100 miles an hour full speed ahead right out of the gate. So that's why I think that uh, who knows what's going to happen. This is going to be fun to watch. The players who have managed their bodies through this pause time, right? The ones who are mentally prepared, the ones who really want to play, the ones who really want to win, right? And a lot of it is going to be based off good coaching. Like these coaches are going to have two to three weeks to get their players ready to start a playoff game, especially in the wild card series where it's only three out of five. A premium is going to be on good coaching. But a lot of this is going to be who really wants to play, who really wants to win, and who knows what's going to happen. So after a training game, we've never seen this before. Out of training camp playoffs, right? I, when you were talking about training camp getting ready to go right into the playoffs instead of training camp easing yourself into the season, I was thinking about the the Canada Cup, the World Cup when they were played in September, and that's kind of like the way it was then, right? Because guys were off for the summer, and then they had their training camp, and they went right into competition for either they were playing the Canada Cup or the World Cup, and that was the same kind of bang you're in, bang you're out, you know? So those were all, you know, those were essentially all-star players, but it was still formulating a team in the summer, you know, after guys had been, you know, had been off and then getting together and, and preparing for a mission that was a short-term rather than a long-term one. Yeah, I, I think, well, Duke had the experience of playing in one of the uh, Canada Cups, I think, or certainly didn't. And I think your point, when you bring up in, in those set of circumstances, you have the real elite in the world playing, right? And it's a short period of time, and you're playing for your country. Uh, so for the elite guys in those circumstances, I, I think in a lot of instances, uh, I'm not sure how much different it's going to be for those guys that had those experiences. Now, for the rest of us, it's just a little different detail, right? It might take a little, little bit more time to get up to snuff, things like that. So there's no question. I don't think any anybody really can surmise how this thing is going to play out, and that's uh, just the, the uniqueness of the times we're in. Yeah, I also think too, uh, Ronnie, when you mentioned coaching, I think it's going to be important for coaches to have an open mind when they watch when they watch training camps and be able to identify which guys are ready to go, even if perhaps they weren't in their top nine or even even on the roster. Since we know there are going to be extra players on the roster, I think the rosters are going to be expanded to thirty. So there are going to be many players competing for spots. And while, you know, clearly you'll start off with the with the guys that brought you to where you were, if one or two guys aren't, you know, just aren't there in camp and a couple of guys who are in Hartford play their best, 
then David Quinn is going to have to go with his best lineup. And certainly not only David Quinn, I think every, it's going to be the responsibility of every coach to have an open mind and honestly evaluate training camp rather than what the guy did in 2019-20. Right. Well, I, I think, too, you certainly don't have the luxury of playing your way into a rhythm like when, you know, we're talking certainly when, when we played. And with the expanded roster, I think from a Rangers standpoint, it'll be interesting to see. Is it 30? I, I thought it was 28 skaters and another unlimited number of goaltenders. Have you heard that, Percy? Uh, you know what? The, the last I heard was 30, but you could be right. Yeah, yeah. So either way, I think from, you know, a Ranger-centric sort of deal, it'll be interesting to see because they're, they're an awful lot of what is going to evolve over time for the Rangers. There may be some of those younger players that might get a look. Uh, or at least be part of the 28 or 30 that may not have had a chance uh, given the circumstances of a regular camp. So there's just so many unknowns. David, uh, for the listeners, they would want to know your take uh, because they're all excited that they believe playoff hockey is going to happen. They are playing Carolina. They know that. They believe that. So they would love to hear your take now on how, because you know the heartbeat of the players, the coaches. How do you think they stand up against Carolina in this different type of format? How do you think, as far as their character goes, knowing uh, how to play this type of hockey, how do you think they'll do? Well... Boy, recent history is you couldn't have asked for a better matchup, right, Brooks? I mean, holy cow. The Rangers, through thick and thin in the last generation, have absolutely owned the Carolina franchise. And a lot of that had to do with Henrik. Uh, Henrik stole the game um, this season in November in Carolina. But I, I again, I, I think if you you have to kind of look at a Carolina team vis-a-vis the talent. If the Rangers continue to evolve talent-wise, you've got to think that, you know, you like their chances. And I know when we played, sometimes there wasn't an answer as to why you would dominate an opponent, but you just knew you could, as opposed to playing against perhaps the Canadians or, you know, maybe the Bruins when they were dominating, they were bigger than physical, and you go, boy, it's going to be a long night. Then you go elsewhere and go, you know what? We, for some reason, most of us have had success against this franchise. That can't uh, hurt the issue. So, really, when you saw the matchup, I go, I'm not sure the Rangers, from a lot of standpoints, don't like the fact that they've got the Hurricanes, especially when Carolina was one of the two teams, right, that kind of complained about the matchup, kind of complained about, or not so much complained, but they and Tampa both voted not to do it this way because they felt that, that they felt, you know, well, you know, Tampa, I mean, come on, show a little bit of swagger. And maybe the Rangers have crawled into Carolina's head and they're going, oh, boy, we got to play these guys. We have, <laughs> have difficulties against them. So be interesting. So, David, after listening to Gary Bettman, is there anything that stood out to you that you really liked or you didn't like about what he had to say about moving forward? No, I, I think it was about as clear and as honest as she can be. I, I think, uh, and Brooklyn and I have talked about this, right, Larry? Like, you, you've got to make some sort of step forward, right? And there are going to be people that are going to complain or think that it's not fair, it's unfair. There are other teams that just go about their business or franchises. But I, I just think the league has felt from the get-go that they've got to kind of stay pertinent and, and come up with a plan and, and, and at least attempt to the best of their ability, giving so much of the unknown still about where this pandemic and virus is going, at least they're making an attempt to say, listen, all things, what we know now, what we'd like to do is this, this is how it's going to look. And we won't know how it looks till it officially gets underway. That's my feeling, Brooksy. How about you? Yeah, I, th- I feel the same. I, I, I think the tough work is still ahead. I, 
I think that, you know, that, that agreeing on the format, which they actually even haven't completely agreed on at this point, you know, that we don't know whether the uh, first two rounds of the actual 16 team playoff is going to be best of five or best of seven. We don't know if the, you know, so we don't know that. And this should have been actually the easy part to get done, the format. And it took a long time. So people are, people are putting a lot of energy and, and thought into this. And, and I think what I, what I can appreciate about the way the league is going about it is that by not establishing a timetable. They allow themselves all the all all the room to maneuver that they need to deal with whatever the issues of the day are as relates to the virus. Because you know we don't know where it's going to be in a month. So I think they're 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 very smart by not saying okay, phase two with the voluntary workouts is starting on June sixth. Phase three with training camp is starting on July first. Because then you have a deadline to meet, and if you miss it, it looks like something's gone awry. This way. Gary and, and the league and the Players Association have said, this is open-ended for us. We are going to play when it is safe. We are going to play when the health officials tell us that it is safe for us to do. So I think they're, I think they're approaching this methodically. I think the issues ahead are going to be far more thorny than the ones they've dealt with already. I mean, again, the protocols we, we it, it can't escape anybody, honestly, that the teams that go to the finals or the semifinals are going to be basically in a hotel for 10 weeks. So that, that's something they're going to have to discuss and they're going to have to formulate protocols for when these guys are on the road. What are they allowed to do? Are, you know, are they in strict quarantine? What about their families? There's that. I think there are rules of engagement of the game that probably are going to have to be um, addressed. I don't know. Is everyone going to have to wear a face shield? Maybe. What about fighting? And I, and obviously there are CBA related issues there, are, you know, with escrow being the, the, the major one. So there is a lot to get done, but the league has left left itself time to get it done. So I, I like the approach. I do. So, Dave, what are your thoughts on the hub cities? Uh, when I look at this and Gary Bettman wanted to show us the cities that would make sense, right? There's like 10 of them. I'm not quite sure why he felt like he needed to do that, but he did it. So, but this could be an exciting part of all this. If you got a place like Las Vegas, right? Or Toronto. I mean, there's a level of, I guess, of excitement behind that for the players. What are your thoughts on the hub cities? And do you have any uh, favorite places where you would like to go? Well, I, I think regardless of where, you know, you or I or anybody would like to go, I think what makes the most sense is what kind of market is most capable of uh, handling the traffic uh, vis-a-vis practice facilities, hotel accommodations, medical facilities, and uh, things like that. And I would be hard-pressed not to think that this doesn't end up to be Vegas and Toronto. I, I know there's a, a, you know, they, there's a real belief that, that the league needs a Canadian city. And in Vegas, of course, is you know we went into Vegas. We were there last year, and they had a convention coming in. There were only hundred thousand people coming. So, I mean, Vegas is certainly capable of handling the crowd. The thing there, when it comes to the you know the facilities and ice availability and things like that, when you think uh, how how is that going to work? Yeah, but and but Toronto, which you hit Toronto, you know, probably as good a facility as ever. And there's plenty of ice places for these teams to go if there's practice and the protocol and things like that. So. And I think the others just probably have names out there to keep kind of interest. I saw a couple of you know, tweets and 
things this morning that they were charged up that Los Angeles was kind of being mentioned and Chicago was being mentioned. So yeah, I'd be pretty hard pressed to think it wouldn't end up to be Vegas and Toronto. Yeah, the, the thing is with, with uh, Canadian City, as Bill Daly had said yesterday and as I had written on Sunday, actually, is that uh, at this time, Canada is, uh, it is mandatory for anyone crossing the border into Canada to, to self-quarantine for 14 days. And uh, the league is, is working with the Canadian government to see if that can be relaxed for NHL players because they will not go to a Canadian city if the players have to, to self-quarantine for 14 days. That just won't happen. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. The cities, again, it'll it'll come down to the protocols established for the players. You know, will they be permitted to venture into public? Is every event, is, you know, is, is, is their schedule going to be designed um, so that they can only visit pre-cleared venues that have been disinfected and you know so I, I don't I would be surprised if players are simply permitted to go about you know in a regular routine every day they'll be coming into contact with hundreds and thousands of people so I'm not sure how it's going to work I, I think they're probably looking for areas where where maybe there are recreation areas that they can that they can uh, keep it for the exclusive use for NHL players and entertainment, you know, complexes, movie theaters, you know, I, I don't know, but I, I don't think it's simply going to be, Hey, let's go out to dinner tonight. You know, where's the best steakhouse? And you know, I, 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 I doubt they'll have that kind of uh, mobility. My last question. And uh, there's something that popped out to me and I, I guess I'm going to defend Boston here for a minute, which normally I wouldn't do. So there's going to be a wrong round robin for the top four teams. They're going to play off, which they need to play some games because of the wild card games are going to be played. They need to be ready. So they're going to they have this format of playing each other. And I thought just playing each other would be fine, but they're actually playing for seeding, right? And that seems a little unfair to Boston. You would think that they would have won that place number one overall with their place. What are your thoughts on that, Dave? Well, I think it's a probably a decent enough argument, although I think what I admire about the Bruins franchise is outside perhaps of the owners sometimes or egos about the business and how they run it, you don't hear the franchise complaining about anything. You know, they just go out and play. It's certainly, but at the end of the day, it's it's one of those things where somebody has to make a decision and how it was formulated. I don't know whether it was conversation between the whether it was mutually, it sounds like it's been mutually agreed upon between the players and the owners and management. And, uh, you know, again, Boston certainly would warrant uh, a little consideration. And, and I guess those of us who really aren't on the inside don't know how it ended up being the seating and whether they were overwhelmed by the other seven franchises or not. But the one thing I've always admired about the Bruins, uh, they love to play. And uh, their franchise is always... Uh, in a franchise, my feelings are they might be disappointed, but I wouldn't want the Bruins at any point in the postseason play. Okay, we're going to leave it at that. So thanks for your time, Dave and Larry. All right. Thanks, Good. Ronnie. All right, thanks, guys. Dave. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you direct your attention to Center Ice for a special presentation. That's a wrap for episode 26 of Up in the Blue Seats. Thanks to our producer, Jake Brown, for producing the show. Subscribe to the show wherever you listen. If using Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars and write a nice review, please. And make sure to follow me on Twitter at RonDuGay10. Thanks for joining us, folks. Stay safe. We will chat again next week.